0: You have been listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day 3 She's talking about going through some stuff this week. So uh, all of us uh, have uh, baggage, uh, trash, junk that hits our lives. Uh, I can't carry my bag out. I want you to notice my bag's bigger than the bag we gave you. Uh, so that means I'm really messed up, I guess, because of that. Um, don't know at your house who, you know, who carries out the the trash. I think a lot of homes are probably like mine. Uh, it winds up, you know, taking both people to do it uh, a lot of times. Uh, depends on schedules and my forgetfulness and things like that. But, you know, Becky, a lot of times are getting it together. and uh, A lot of times it may, you know kind of get down to where she knows I'll see it, and and then I need to pick it up from there and get it out to the trash can, and then need to roll the trash can up the hill and get it positioned for the uh, uh, town of sawmills as they come around to pick it up on trash day, which for us is Thursday, and uh, I totally forgot about this week, I'm headed off to a church conference in uh, South Carolina with uh, some from our our church here that went with us, and I uh, have to call Becky and say I'm sorry, but I forgot to roll the trash can up the hill, and uh, and everything, so that wound up being uh, her responsibility that day. But it, you know, for us, it it takes uh, both of us, I guess, to get that done. And I don't know if you guys, you know, just getting the trash out can be uh, stressful. We in in our development, some of you live there. Uh, you have to put the can. Uh, exactly where they wanted they came and they marked the uh, uh, you know the the street with orange paint a few months ago and uh, you have to use their can specific can can have your own has to be one that belongs to the to the town which I, I guess we paid for with taxes or whatever uh, on it uh, I, I really got a raw deal in mind I, if, 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 if y'all want to trade with me sometime three three numbers the last three numbers on my trash can are six 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 honest to god and, um, and I bet you saw that and did not like it at all, you know, uh, when we wound up with it. But um, you, you have to position it there. You can't have the lid up. If the lid's up, uh, anything's stacked on top of it, they won't take it. If it's not turned around or where they can come through with an automated truck and grab hold of the metal handle, they'll not take it, and the trash will just stay there, and you keep it for another week. And if you keep it for another week, what's going to happen? It's going to really start to stink, isn't it? And you see, not just in your homes, but in a, in a relationship, you have trash get built up. Because you've got two human beings in a relationship, whether it be you know, a marriage or a friendship or somebody you work with. And since we're human, uh, we're going to sin against each other, disappoint each other, discourage each other, and, and things like that. And as a result of it, there's going to be some trash that gets built up in our, in our relationships. And then if we don't deal with the trash, if we don't bag it up and get it out of the way, the same thing that happens with your little trash at your house, is going to stink. It's going to get piled up if you don't deal with it as you ought to deal with it. So what we're going to talk about today is, is doing that. We're going to talk about dealing with relational trash in your life. Now, for some of you that are perfect, and for some of you that never have relational trust, you ever had anybody to tell you, well, we never fight, we never argue. And I mean, maybe they'll use buzzwords like, well, we'll debate every now and then. You know, some, some couples will say, we don't do that. We don't argue, we don't debate, we don't fight. You know, when I, when I hear that from a couple, I just kind of look and I smile, you know. I mean, let's be honest, guys. It's going to happen to the best of us, right? Huh? And if somebody says they never, ever do it, then then probably that tells me they're living in, in maybe parallel universes or something. They're not talking a whole lot. If they never ever do that, or they never ever argue, they never ever debate, they never ever fight. If they say we absolutely never do that, you know, or maybe they're they're living in the same house, but they're not really soulmates, they're not even doing life together. That's why it doesn't happen. But really I guess what I think when someone tells me that, I just kinda of think to myself, well, maybe you're not, but you do tell lies. <laughs> If you, know, you just lie to me, if you're saying you never argue, you never debate, you know, if a couple says that never ever happens to them, then I, I think probably they, they might have a problem with, with the truth. Because ultimately, in any kind of intimate relationship, whether it be marriage, friendship, like I said a moment ago, you're going to have some conflict. You know, you're going to have some times that you, you know, rub the fur the wrong way, sometimes that, that you hurt the other person's feelings, and you're going to have some relational trash, some junk that you need to bag up and get out. Of your life, so that's what we're doing today. So, uh, what I want you to do to start with, if, if you're, you know, sitting by your uh, spouse, or maybe you're engaged and you're sitting by somebody you're you're engaged to, or uh, I, I want you to maybe to start out right now by reaching over and taking that person's hand uh, if you can. Uh, by the way, we gave you a trash bag for a reason. You know, we'll they'll come to play a little bit more at the end of the uh, end of the message, but. Uh, Maybe hold on to the trash bag between you you and your spouse uh, here for a second. Uh, I'm looking around the room. You guys are okay, I think. You know what happened in the first service? When I told them to to put their hands on on their trash bag? A dude literally reached over and grabbed his wife. Honest. Brad McBride may not be alive this afternoon. I don't know, you know, but you reach over and grab brandy, and I'm thinking, dude, you know, you're in trouble now, and everything, but, I, but you know, I, I want you to think like that for a moment, I want you to think about, you know, y'all dealing with things, because we all have to deal with things, we have to learn how to deal with them the right way, and that's what the message is, is about. So to, to start with, kind of your first point, if you're following along, filling in the blanks today and stuff like that inside the updates, is simply this, since you will, I'm not saying, you know, you might, or if it ever happens, you will, it's going to happen, let's be honest, in a relationship, you're going to fight, disagree, and argue from time to time. Since you will fight, disagree, and argue, you need to learn some things to avoid when you fight, disagree, and argue there's some ways to do it and some ways not to do it and if you do it the wrong way, it just makes things worse and instead of trying to help out at all if you just approach it completely in the in the wrong way. Uh, the, the wrong way is when you really you know, 've got tempers flaring and, and everything like that there 's a researcher that I've alluded to that uh, by the way, this series is kind of based on a, a study that our small groups are going through uh, right now, a book called Real Marriage. It's written by Mark Drisco. And Mark, the first week, shared about a, a marriage researcher by the name of John Gottman. And he's kind of a scary dude to me because he can interview people, and with about a 91% success rate, he can, he can figure out if somebody's going to divorce or not you know, after he's kind of interviewed them. That's kind of scary for somebody to be able to do that. One of the things he points out is that and he calls them four horsemen kind of like the four horsemen in revelation you know those dudes aren't things you want coming around because they bring death destruction and stuff like that so in the book he alludes to these four things that we're going to talk about avoiding as four horsemen that you need to avoid in your relationship because if you fail to avoid these things then you know, you're know you going to not help a lot. Tempers are going to flare. You're going to have things thrown through the air and everything like that, and it's not going to be good or cool for the relationship if you try and argue, fight, or disagree using these four things here that we're going to talk about. First thing you need to avoid is this. You need to avoid criticism. You need to avoid criticism. Criticism is the very first thing that, that you need, need to avoid. Avoid criticism. Criticism is where you attack, next slide please, criticism is where you attack the person instead of the problem, the person instead of the problem. If, if you are upset about something, it, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you you ignore issues because you, you need to deal with issues in the relationship, but, but if you're dealing with it in a way that you're attacking your spouse, the individual, instead of attacking the problem, then it's not going to help things, you know. It's going to be a negative result. Nobody likes just to be criticized. It's one thing to set your spouse down in a loving way and say, you know what, you kind of disappointed me, or we've got this problem that's taking place, and this is how I feel. That's actually productive because if they don't do that, they're going to keep you stuffed inside. So it's really productive for them to, to be honest and say things. But if they are approaching it from the standpoint of saying, but all this is your fault, you're like this, you do this, the, You know, and, and you're just criticizing them as a person, it's not going to help the relationship. Instead, it's going to make them be defensive and build huge walls and stuff that we're going to talk about also as we move on. So avoid criticism to start with. You also need to avoid this. You need to avoid contempt. Contempt is where you've kind of let stuff build up in you so much, you've not dealt with the trash and hauled it out. You, you've let criticism and a critical mindset build up so much in your life that you don't even like the person anymore. It's, it's like you feel contemptuous toward them all the time. You, you just don't like being around them, and, and, and you allow it to affect you to the degree that you kind of think, Well, I don't know if I love you anymore. And, and, you're, you know, and you're really out of contempt, you're kind of slamming them and saying, you know, just negative, very bad, hurtful things to them. That's not going to help the relationship for you to bring this horseman to bear in the relationship and bring contempt in. Because once again, it's going to cause more hurt feelings and more difficult, more problems that you have to deal with. You also need to avoid defensiveness. That's the third horseman that he mentioned. You need to avoid defensiveness. Defensive is, defensiveness is when, you know, a, a problem is pointed out and immediately you get on the defensive immediately you start making excuses it's really well yeah i'm like that but it's really your fault that i'm like that you know that's what happens sometimes when you're dealing with issues and problems with someone someone gets on the defensive they, they don't like being told what they've been told so so they just get re- very defensive about it instead of doing what they ought to do and that is and that is repent I told you earlier that in our development, you have to use a specific trash can to put it in a specific place or they're not going to pick it up. I think it's really similar with trash in our lives. There's a specific place that we need to put it and it's called repentance. When when things are wrong in our lives and wrong in our marriage, we need to repent instead of get defensive about it and instead of trying to push it off like like there's not really anything wrong. See, for some of you, potentially, You've never, ever heard your spouse apologize. You've tried to maybe deal with issues and problems, but they don't apologize. They don't really sound... Now, maybe they give you a left-hand apology, which is like, of course I'm mad. You made me mad. I'm sorry I'm mad, but you made me mad. That's not an apology. That's an accusation. That's coming up with excuses. That's just trying to attach reasons to why you're upset. That's being defensive instead of actually trying to deal with what the issue is. I'm not the problem, but you're the problem. That type of of mentality. All that's defensiveness, and that won't help. That's the wrong way to fight, argue, and and debate. The fourth thing that you need to avoid is stonewalling. Stonewalling. Stonewalling is, is where it really gets heated. Somebody's hurt. There might be tears flying and things like that. Maybe he's gotten that look, or maybe she's got her hands on her hips. And things aren't going very good in the, in the discussion. But rather than deal with it, you turn and walk away. You drive off. You turn the television up. You get louder yourself trying to drown it out. Because at all costs, you're trying to avoid Stonewall going ahead and dealing with the issue. See, that doesn't help. All four of those are things we just talked about. If you fight, argue, and debate those four ways, if that's the method that you try and seek a solution to issues in your marriage, what's going to happen is this, where God wants you, the two, to become one. Instead, the one's going to become two, whether you divorce or not. You can become one becoming two, even being in the same home, staying in the marriage and everything else. If you argue and debate and try and find solutions by using those methods, it's going to be like people that are supposed to be one and marriage becoming two. So that's how not to do it. So how can we... Fight a good fight, then, so to speak. How how can we fight better? By the way, a stat I, I left out, the statisticians say about 85% of the men stonewall. So, guys, that's a big problem we have, I guess, wanting to put a wall up and not deal with it. But since that's the wrong way of fighting, how's, how's a better way that we can, can fight? Since we are going to fight, argue, and disagree then maybe consider this. We need to learn how to fight, argue, and disagree to the glory of God. In other words, manage our problems in a way that brings glory to God and also that brings about good in the relationship. It's going to happen. You're going to debate. You're going to have issues and problems. So you need to learn to manage it in the right way so you can have a productive outcome. I think here's the first step that helps us go in that direction. You need to recognize that both of you are sinners. Now, you might be wondering, duh, what does, what does that matter? Well, in the marriage relationship, the reason it helps to recognize both of you are sinners is this. Since both of you are sinners, neither one of you are going to be perfect. you understand that? Since both of you are sinners, you will sin from time to time. You will let the other person down. You will offend the other person. Our problem is somehow we delude ourselves into believing that our spouse is supposed to be perfect. Our spouse will never ever let us down. And we put this high plateau for them that we can't even meet ourselves because we ourselves are sinners. So then we get really agitated and really frustrated with them when they do what a sinner naturally does. And that is from time to time sin. And if we can recognize that to begin with, that we are both sinners, then that will help us to where we're not so devastated and sidetracked in accusing the other person when they do let us down. Because guess what? You're going to let them down yourself because you yourself were a sinner. Now, someone may be wondering, all right, what is sin? You know, well, sin, just kind of a simple um, way to, to gauge sin is this. Sin is anything that violates the character of the will of God. And to make it even more simplified, you could even think about it like this. Anything that doesn't look like Jesus, that's probably sin, you know, or will lead you towards sin. Because Jesus gives us the perfect example. And if we're practicing and doing things and acting ways that you just would not see Jesus do it, that's a pretty good indication that it, that it might be sin. See, John, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 10, it says, If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not innocent. It actually tells us we're deceiving ourselves, too. The Bible clearly says that that we are sinners, that we sin. And for you to kind of act like, well, no, I don't really sin and, and I'm not really a sinner. My spouse is, but I'm not one. Then you're really making God out to be a liar. Think about it. One sinner marrying another sinner does not equal... In a mathematical equation, zero sin does it. Mark in his book puts it like this. One sinner plus one sinner equals conflict. So you, you need to expect it up front. Instead of be so devastated when it happens. Because we do sin. If you're, if you're living in a house with somebody, there's going to be some trash to deal with. You're going to be taking stuff and filling the trash cans up, and it's got to be bagged up and and taken out. In in, in a relationship with someone, there's going to be sin that happens and hurt feelings that happen and things like that. And If we just leave it in there, it's going to stink. It's going to pile up. That's why we need to learn how to... Deal with it the right way, and I think probably the first step in dealing with it the right way is just recognizing that you're a sinner and the other person is a sinner. The Bible tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God doesn't say you might sin or some people sin. He says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have stuff to work on. None of us are perfect. None of us have the resume of Jesus, amen? We, we all have issues and junk that we have to deal with. So that means we need to expect it up front and kind of deal with it with some patience and some love and some kindness and some forgiveness. Maybe some of the stuff that God gave us. In the relationships that we have with other people, especially with, with your spouse. See, sin's going to hurt other people. You realize that? Remember David stepped out on his housetop one day? And he just didn't go to war that day when the kings were at war. It kind of made it sound like he should have been at battle, but he wasn't. And he's there relaxing. He steps on the rooftop and he looks over across the way and he sees this beautiful woman bathing and he sins for her. And he brings her in and he has sex with her and she conceives. So he sinned against her and he also winds up sinning against her husband because he has her husband more or less killed. He plots it in the same thing as a murder. He plots it in a battle where they pull away and let him be killed. So he sinned against Uriah, her husband. So sin is against other people, hurts other people. But you know what David wrote in Psalm 51 when he was repentant of that sin? He said, against you and you only have I sinned. Talking to God. Sin is against others, but ultimately our sin is against God. And that's why we need to recognize that. Instead of making excuses, we need to confess sin. So once you recognize sin, here's what you need to Do, you need to repent of it. Secondly, you need to repent of your sin. If you want to start out trying to have a fight, debate, argument in a way that's productive, recognize to start with both of your sinners so you will disappoint each other. And once you have sin identified in the relationship, instead of making excuses, you need to repent of your sins instead of being defensive. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to one another. Now stop there for a minute. That's scary, isn't it? You know one reason that's scary? Because people gossip. Amen? So that's kind of hard sometimes to confess your sin to somebody else. But, but it says there, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, once again, this is one of these verses that I've alluded to all through this series, and, and Mark keeps pointing out in his book that, you know, it doesn't have to say in the Bible, husband and wife, for it to be applicable to a husband and wife. This doesn't say husband confess your sins to your wife or wife confess your sins to your husband. But we still don't have an out not to do that because listen, if there's anybody that you ought to feel comfortable confessing your sin to, it should be your spouse. To where you can confess it. See, a lot of times we're scared to because we're afraid if I tell them, they won't love me anymore. If I share with them... You know, like what I've done, then then, you know, that's kinda of like curtains for the relationship. But we're literally told that, that we're confess our sins to each other so that we can pray for each other. We need to know what the other person is dealing with so we can lift them up to prayer to God. And that's what a spouse ought to do when they get confession from their spouse from the other so they can take it to God in prayer. But notice this, that you may be healed. You know, a lot of times we read that and we just go to physical healing. How about looking at it like this? Since we're talking about the marriage relationship, you need to confess your sins to each other, husband and wife, so your relationship can be healed. So God can bring about healing into the relational problem. So He can help you get the trash out of your lives by you repenting of it and, and asking God, to help. See by doing that. Here's what happens. You get a situation going. Where it's you. Your spouse. And Jesus. There's a passage in the Bible. That talks about. Three cords being wound together. Being hard to break. Though a man might prevail against one. Who's alone. Two will withstand him. But a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Think about it like this. You. You. Your spouse and Jesus. You, your spouse and Jesus wound together. And y'all confessing sin to each other and praying for each other. You've got a cord that's going to be pretty hard for Satan to break. See, if you don't do that, what you have is you and your spouse and probably your sin and Satan in the middle. But if we are bagging up our trash and repenting of our sin instead of making excuses then we're bringing Jesus into bear, a into relationship that brings healing. Whatever you're having going on in your relationship, whatever problems you're having right now, can I tell you what the answer is? Some of you will be able to answer this. Wait a minute. Let me ask this question. Some of you might be able to answer this. I've said it several times over the years. Any question that we ask at Day 3 Church, what's the answer? Who's the answer? Jesus. So whatever junk you're dealing with, whatever's going on in your relationship, he's the answer. He's what can help it. But you have to to invite him into it by by confessing the sin and and, and you guys getting honest with each other and bagging the trash up, not ignoring it, not making excuses, but really dealing with it. So before we jump into the last one, which really the last point is what I want to spend the most time on, I want us to spend just a minute, though, identifying what repentance is because some people have different ideas about repentance. Repentance is is really pictured in these three words, I think. is confession, and it's contrition, and it's change. Confession is, is this. Confession is where you're honestly admitting sin. You're not excusing it. You're not blaming somebody else. You're not making excuses. You're just saying, I screwed up. You're saying, I, I have really sinned. That's, that's what confession is. The contrition part of repentance is that you're really, really sorrowful. Now, now, most people are sorry because they got caught. Amen? See, that's not really repentance. If you're just sorry because you got caught, it means that you would kept doing it if you hadn't got caught the so real repentance is you are remorseful. You're very sorrowful about your sin. You're sorrowful that your sin has injured the other person. You're sorrowful that your sin has hurt the heart of God. You're sorrowful that Jesus suffered on the cross because of that sin. That, that's part of repentance. But then change is also part of it. It's not just being sorry for your sins. It's where. You turn away from your sin and turn toward God. The word for repentance, one of the primary words for repentance in the, in the New Testament, is the same word that we get our word metamorphosis from. And it really gives the idea uh, you know, of, of a change taking place. And it's really like you do this. and Instead of you ignoring your sin and acting like it's not sin, you kind of turn and you agree with God that it is sin. So you decide to go in God's direction instead of your direction. You you decide to walk away from, from all this you know and say, Oh, that is sin. That is bad, that stinks. And you turn and walk God's path instead of your path. That's that's a picture of repentance about things and situations and sin in your life. That's what a picture of repentance is. Last thing we're gonna talk about is this. We've talked about how how not to fight. <laughs> you know, don't be just critical and have contempt for the other person and be defensive and stonewall or try and put off fixing the situation. What you do need to do is, is recognize both of you are sinners. And that means you're both going to let each other down. And since you are both sinners, you need to repent of sin when you identify sin in your life and invite Jesus into the situation to help with what's taking place. Third thing, and what I want us to really spend the rest of the time we've got looking at is this. Since you will fight, argue, and disagree, what you need to do is 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 take out the the trash. You better hope that doesn't bust. By the way, that's real trash. <laughs> Honestly it is. I rode in this morning on a motorcycle. The trash cans were there. I brought trash bags with me. I went and got nasty trash. It's been in the trash cans for days. Why? Because we're talking about nasty trash in our lives. I want a real trash up here. I started opening it up and doing an experiment. So you don't believe me, come smell. Does it stink? Yeah. Hey, imagine how, how we stink to God when we let the trash build up in our relationships. Since you will fight argue, and disagree, you need to take out the trash so the marriage will be sweet instead of stink, so it will be, be better instead of bitter. See, our marriages can get better. That might sound radical to you, but they can get better instead of more rotten, instead of the stench increasing. We can, with God's help, with His grace and His mercy and, and His empowerment and repentance of sin in our, in our lives, by by taking out the trash, the relational junk in our lives, our marriages can get better. They don't have to go downhill. That ought to be the goal for our marriages to get better, not worse. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 down through 32, I've used Ephesians 5 for years in premarital counseling. If any of you guys have been through premarital counseling with me, you know i spent a lot of time... In Ephesians 5 Well these verses that we're reading In Ephesians 4 While again it's a passage that doesn't say Husband, wife, listen In context It's talking about How we need to treat Anybody but in context Guess where it's headed It's going to dump off right here at the end of these verses We're reading saying wife, husband This is what you do So, So I think there is Application here I know there's application here for husband and wife. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Your spouse is a pretty close neighbor, amen? For we're members of one another. Literally, your spouse, according to the biblical viewpoint, is to become in one flesh. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Do an honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt and talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then bang, it's going to start talking about wives and husbands. When you jump into chapter 5, which by the way, the chapter divisions, you understand that they're artificial. They're not inspired by God. Those are put in there to compact the scriptures so we can find the scriptures. It was just a long paragraph. God is saying, This is on my heart. So he talks about this stuff and nose dives right into marriage. There are several things that we can draw out of this passage of scripture that can help our marriages get better instead of bitter, that can help us take out the the trash instead of letting it just build up. Here's the first one. Practice honesty. Practice honesty. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth and and that doesn't that does have to do with specifically telling a, a lie it it also has to do i think with speaking the truth to someone in love not ignoring issues and problems that are there it, it also has to do with with practicing honesty you know where if there is a problem and it's your fault you own up to it instead of blaming the other person or or making excuses not shifting the blame, in other words, don't diminish what it is, don't, don't make excuses, but, but we need to practice honesty. He said, therefore, having put away falsehood, let, let each of you speak the truth. We need to be speaking truth in each other's lives as husband and wife, but do it in, in the right way. And that's, in, and that's where he's going. Number two, manage anger, manage anger. <clears throat> the Bible says, be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on on your anger. We need to speak the truth but speak it in the right way. Not with angry words. I want you to notice what that text does not say. Because sometimes we'll read it into it. And this is not what it says. The Bible did not say there, do not get angry. You realize that? Anger. You can even read about anger coming forth from God. The the emotions that we deal with, we see God practicing those same emotions. The only difference is God does it in a holy way. See, there's such a thing as righteous indignation. There's such a thing as holy anger. There are things that we we should be upset about, but what we have to guard against is not allowing our anger to go in a wrong direction where it becomes sin. So I'll... I'll just be honest with you a, a, a little bit. I've wrestled with anger a lot of my life. I have. And, and and I'm honest. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to identify some of the reasons why. As I thought back through it because the way you know, my dad was, an alcoholic, things I have saw him do to our family and do to my mom. So even, you know, as, as young. I mean, you heard me tell before some of you that when I was like in the second grade, I walked in on my dad pistol whipping my mom and woke me up during the night. And I walk in and... And, and he kind of stops and says, well, there's your protector. Well, I mean, what could I have done? But, but in a way, God used me as that because it made him quit because there his son had walked in and seen what was taking place. So because of that and things I saw in law enforcement and other things, kind of when I was you know growing up too, there's a little bit of this uh, of this maybe righteous defender in me to where I want to defend and I want to protect. So since that's in me, though, sometimes it comes out in the wrong way. You know? Uh, you know, you ever seen God's, that's my kids. I can breathe fire. I could breathe fire on these trash bags right now, and they disintegrate probably. Have You ever been there? You know, sometimes, you, you know, you, you, and you might even have a reason to be angry, but it just goes in the wrong way. I mean, this, this past week, um, I, I was going to drop... I think I was going to drop my motorcycle off or something like that. Have something done on it. So I was heading down 321, and Mike Jacob was in the first service. So he laughed at me because he said, "You think you're going to ride a motorcycle on 321 and not ever have road rage?" And I thought, "Well, I'll try my best not to." So anyway, I'm heading down the road. I hear about Walmart, and uh, here comes a, a, a car, you know, a little Honda Civic uh, with you know like the high performance muffler on it, come out buzzing, and, buzz, and I can tell, man, the way he's buzzing, he's wanting to go somewhere. So he's blending in 321A, and he's coming in, blending in, and I'm at the stop line, and I'm going straight and everything. So he doesn't come over on me, you know, right there, but he's in a hurry wanting to get somewhere. I mean, I'm not fooling around, you know, and, and, and everything, but he comes over, I mean, just right behind me like that, and I thought he was going to brush me as he comes over, and I couldn't even see his headlights. So, you know, I probably thought some things I shouldn't have thought and things like that, and I I, I did flash my... My lights aimed just a little bit, and he kind of took a warning and backed up, so I thought, okay, good, and I just kind of shook my head, and so I, I'm heading down into Hickory, and I thought, well, I've got an extra few minutes before I have to drop it off at the Yamaha at the shop, so I, I'm going to kind of you know, run, run out towards Grace Chapel and just you know, go out past the bridge and see the water, turn around and come back, so I pull into that lane to make the left-hand turn down the bottom of the hill before we cross the bridge, and I just kind of looked at him. I mean, I didn't do that. I looked at him. He said, going by. So that, you know this you know, kid... You know, waits until he gets through the stoplight and he's heading on into Hickory and he tells me I'm number one as he goes by. After he gets pretty far ahead, you know. Now, yeah, I'm a preacher, but I'm also, you know, ex law enforcement, and I'm sitting there and I look and the lane is open and i it's everything I can do to keep me wanting to change lanes and follow him down the road and see where he's going and grab him by his little finger and yank him out of the car and just you know. So that's, I'm sorry if some of you never come back. I'm just being honest. I hope you'd rather have an honest preacher than one that's not going to tell you how you feel sometimes. So, so but, you know, you, you, anger, one of, the point is anger can take, I, I should have been upset that he did what he did, but had I done what I just described that I kind of would have liked to have done, it would have been sin. You understand that? I could have lost my testimony and lost you know, even being able to pastor this church because of that. So we needed to learn how to manage anger, especially in a marriage relationship because your spouse, from time to time, is going to make you mad. And you're going to you know, be thinking, "This well, they sinned against me, so you know what? I think I'm going to sin against them. You see, that, that doesn't help any. Because when, when you've got the idea, well, they sinned against me, so I'm just going to sin against them. The only thing that does is just piles, pile it up more and it stinks more. When, when you have that attitude that I'm going to get back at them. See, some things we need to, we need to learn to do, we need to learn to evaluate why we're angry. I mean, honestly, to slow down and call a time out and, and evaluate, why am I mad to start with? I mean, why was I mad the other day that, you know, little boy coming out there with his, you know, with his, with his Honda car, you know, buzzing down the road and, and, and stuff like that. I, you know, uh, I mean, he didn't hit me and, you know, didn't wreck me or anything. Could have he didn't, so everything was cool. What made me angry is when, you know, I had not done anything to him and he responded like he did as he's gone down the road and I've got this pride to kind of, oh, you know. So I was really angry for the wrong reason probably. So a lot of times, when you get angry in your relationship, you need to evaluate why. What you know why? What what is it really making you angry? Is it is it just your pride? Is that why you're so upset at your spouse? But not only do we need to learn to evaluate anger, we need also to do this. We need to learn to avoid letting it build up. In other words. Uh, yesterday I didn't like something my spouse did so I, I i i'm just and i'm mad about it so i'm gonna just i'm not gonna deal i'm not gonna repent of it i'm not even, i'm just gonna carry it over to the next day then something else happens and you well yeah i'm not gonna i'm just going i'm just gonna carry this over in the next week, in the next year. I, you know, I, I'm just, I've got this trash, this relational trash that's built up in my life with somebody else or with your spouse or whatever it is, and, and you're just, you're angry and you're letting the sun go down on it and the sun go down on it and the sun go down on it and you're carrying it over to the next day, the next week, the next year. What have we already established happens when you don't take the trash out? Of it, huh? If you don't take it out and you don't take it out and you don't take it out, what's going to happen? It's going to stink bad, isn't it? When we got relational junk in our lives, and we don't take it out, and we don't take it out, and we don't take it out, and we don't take it out. We don't bag it up and deal with it. We don't repent. We don't work through it and things like that. The only thing's going to happen is that it's going to stink. Because it's like it's like building crash up. We don't need to take it over to the next day and the next day and the next day. Because by doing so, here's what we do. We give opportunity to Satan. So the third thing we need to do right here is block Satan. We need to block Satan. It says, give no opportunity to the devil. You know what the the phrase opportunity there, no opportunity, the the way that's used really in the the Greek means this. It, It means don't give Satan a base of operations in your life. And since we're talking about the marriage relationship today, don't give Satan a base of operation in your marriage. The word was used to talk about setting up camp to carry out a military campaign. So that's what we're doing. When, when we fail to back up the relational trash in our lives and repent of it and deal with it like we should and we're holding on to it and we're letting it build up, build up, build up carrying it over to the next day, the next week, the next year what we're doing is giving an opportunity for Satan to come in and be between you and your spouse instead of Jesus being between you and your spouse and causing all types of relational problems. You know what it's like when you're having a fight and you let Satan show up? Or well, really, he shows up in the fight. Have you seen the termite advertisement they've been running for a while now? The guy goes to the door and there's this giant termite standing there and says, Can I use your phone? <laughs> Is that oak over there? You know what happens when you relationally fight like that with your spouse? You're letting Satan show up and say, Is that a fight going on? Oh, I think I can feed on that fight. I think I want to come in and set a tent up. I want to set a base of operations up in in your relationship and and use it to to cause you to dishonor God and to destroy your marriage and your relationship. So you need to block Satan by not carrying stuff over over and over and over and over and giving an opportunity to Satan. You also need to do this. You need to help others. You need to help others. The Bible says, Let the thief no longer steal. It's talking about earning, you know, honest wages, honest labor. But look what the the goal is, the purpose. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Man, that goes against the great of our society today, isn't it? Because we're all trying to earn the American dream. You know, and and we're just trying to amass wealth so we can consume it to our own lust, so we can have everything that we want, and things like that. But we're told here in the Bible that we need to, you know, not steal, but instead have honest labor, so that we may have something to share with anyone that has need. Like I said, this is in a context that's getting ready to go in to talk about marriage, so let me apply it to marriage just for a moment. If all you do as a husband and wife is focus upon yourself, that makes your marriage selfish, and it's a short jump from your marriage being selfish to you being selfish against each other. Instead, if you as two Christians believers married together will begin to focus upon other people and what you can do to serve Jesus and how you can help somebody else. You want to know what will happen in your relationship? Instead of you sitting around thinking, man, I don't like what she did and I don't like what he did and sitting around being bitter about that, you don't have time because you're doing something to help somebody else. And as you're doing something to help somebody else, you know what you're going to discover? Your problems aren't that bad to start with. Because of all the problems you see other people having. It'd help out your marriage. That might help out some of the marriages here more than anything else you could do. Is that if you two get involved serving Jesus together somehow. And focus on others and not yourself. Throw an ad out real quick for, for you to start praying about how you can do that. Because uh, Lynn Crumb's getting together a team that's going to go to Africa this summer and uh, to put a roof on a church to try and finish it and also to evaluate about doing more of a long-term uh, relationship, maybe even building a church there uh, somewhere in South Africa, Mozambique, or somewhere like that next year. Uh, that's major financial investment and, and things like that. So um, you know, I'll just kind of throw it out up front. I think just to go do the one this summer is going to be probably, you know, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, you know, easily right through there. So right there is something that you can pray about, you know, when we start to talk about it. That's gonna be our Easter offering this year to raise funds for that. You know, to maybe how you can give and how you can be involved in helping somebody else. Don't make your life about yourself is what I'm saying. And it will help your marriage. Next you need to communicate correctly. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. In other words, don't blow fluff, don't blow smoke, you know, their direction, as fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. He's telling us not to say the wrong stuff. We're not to say trash to our spouse. We're not to talk corrupting words to other people. That just makes the situation worse. But that happens a lot of times, and here's why it happens. We're sitting around, and our fields are hurt, and we're upset about something that's happened, and you kind of have a grenade in your heart, a grenade in your life. And you keep thinking about it, you know, what's happened, and you're a little bit bitter, and you're a little bit upset, and you keep kind of fiddling around with that grenade in your heart until you pull the pin. What happens when you pull the pin? It blows up. So if you've got some relational great grenade in your life you're not dealt with in the right way and you're holding it there and it's bitter and you keep playing with, playing with, playing with, you're gonna sometime, whether you meant to or not, gonna pop that pen out and you're gonna be blowing somebody up with it, or blowing your relationship up because you said the wrong kind of words. What we need to say is words that build people up, words that give grace to the person that's hearing. Thank God Jesus speaks grace to us, amen. We need to be willing and able and motivated and intentionally speak grace to our spouses. Grace to other people we're in a relationship with. They're sinners. You're a sinner. We all need grace. Your spouse needs grace. And we need to be willing to communicate grace to them. To say things that would help them. And then the Bible says there not to to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. You realize one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is given you is to help you with things like this. Honest. That's why we don't need to ignore the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God living inside of us. So what I would suggest would help us to keep from saying the wrong words, corrupting words from pulling the pin out of the grenade, what I'm suggesting is this, that you and I when we know we're needing to have that hard discussion, that we would pray and say, God, help me to say it the right way with the right type of compassion in a way that makes a difference. God, help me to have the right words. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, but you don't know how hard it is and how difficult it is, and that's why I say these words that I say. I do know this. If the Holy Spirit of God can seal you and me, if He can seal me until the day I'm walking the streets of gold, and the Holy Spirit of God can seal you until you're walking the streets of gold forever with Jesus, that same Holy Spirit can help us say the words we're supposed to say. Amen. Amen. If we would just invite Him to do so and pray and ask Him to, to help us in the communications that we have with our spouses, not talk trash, but say the right words. Last thing is this. We need to offer forgiveness. We need to offer forgiveness. He closes out in chapter 4 by saying, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Instead of like ripping this bag open and throwing all the trash out here on the floor and it'd be like you know, a picture of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Instead of offering that to your spouse, that's not what you need to give them if you're wanting to fix the relationship instead of destroy the relationship, instead of you offering bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice in their direction, what we need to do is offer forgiveness. We need to forgive them. Probably some red flags come up again and say, well, pastor, you just don't understand what they've done. You know what? I I don't. I don't know everything about you, everything about your marriage, everything about the things you're wrestling with. But God does. And He's the one that tells you to forgive each other, not just your spouse. And don't limit that to where it's not your spouse because it didn't say husband and wife at the front of these verses. We're to offer forgiveness to other people. He said that we're to forgive others as God forgave us for Christ's sake. Wow, I mean, that means I've got a lot of forgiveness to offer. How about you? If not, maybe you're a good little person, never screwed up much and don't think you're much of a sinner. I'm sorry, I screwed up a lot. Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for forgiveness. Because I needed it. And he gave it to me through his son because of Jesus. And now God looks at me and he says, "Lynn Parsons, in the same way that I forgave you, you're to forgive other people. And that includes your spouse or whoever else it might be. So whatever it is that you're holding against your spouse, if you want to fix a relationship, if you want to learn to deal... With it. If you want to have an argument, a debate, or a fight in a way that's productive, in a way that glorifies God, in a way that makes the the marriage sweeter instead of making it stink, you need to offer forgiveness to your spouse and forgive them because God forgave you of a lot of stuff. I guess advertisement you know Sunday and how bad the preacher is on his motorcycle Sunday or whatever but uh, you know I talked about that termite a moment ago you seen the Febreze advertisement they're having I mean they blindfold somebody and they take them in and they spray the room down and they say what do you smell oh, it just smells like uh, roses or you know spring breeze uh, you know whatever it smells really good and then they pull it off and you see, that's kind of like what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is like the Febreze for our, for our souls, for our relationships. Kind of like a Lysol spray. And see, forgiveness is not just for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Because if you don't forgive the other person, what you're doing is carrying this stinking stuff around everywhere you go. Now, I could probably carry this around for a few minutes, but you know what? I think about an hour of it would get old. The day of it would get really old. A marriage filled with it would really be terrible. But that's what a lot of people do is that they carry that, and they carry it, and they carry it. And you see, it makes you bitter in your own heart. Forgiveness is not just for the other person. Forgiveness is to keep your own heart from stinking. And if you want to fix your marriage, you need to learn how to forgive. Because you're married to a sinner, and you're a sinner, and you're going to need forgiveness, and they're going to need forgiveness, and we need to learn how to forgive. Real marriage. Real marriage. Is about taking out the trash. I told you earlier that in our house, it takes two of us to get that done. The reason I even use that story to start with is this. In a relationship, it takes both of you. It takes the husband and the wife to carry the trash out. You both have to make a commitment to keep your sins confessed against each other. You both have to make a commitment to bag up the trash and and get it out the relational trash out of your life you need to quit fighting in a way and arguing in a way and debating in a way that hurts the relationship instead you need to learn how to do it in a way that glorifies god in a way that is for the good of the relationship in a way that makes the marriage better instead of making it worse You need to remember both of your sinners. And you need to offer forgiveness. We're going to pray, and the band's going to come out. Your assignment for your trash bag is this take it home, get some paper, sit down with your spouse, be honest. Write down some relational trash that's causing you some problems or has caused you some problems. Bag it up. Take it out to the trash can. Pray. Drop it and forget it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, God, I know they've got baggage in their life, sin in their life. God, help them to see right now they can have hope because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Father, there's someone here that does not know Christ. Give them the faith that they need right now to say yes to Him. Realizing that He's the only one that can change their eternity and change their lives. Lord, for the marriages that are here in this place, God, I pray that you help couples make commitments right now. That they will take out the relational trash and deal with it and not let it ruin their relationship. Help us in our marriages to honor you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to notice in the words of this song how through Jesus our sins are carried away. How through Jesus you can have glorious days in your life. And what's true individually in our hearts that's represented in the chorus of this song can be true in our marriages if we'll just allow Jesus to do it. Ask Him to help you carry out the, the relational trash. Husband and wife, you know, if you're here together, you may want to just come up and bring that bag and hold on to the bag and kneel and pray. If you've got any questions about what it means to receive Christ as Savior, I would love to talk to you and have others available here to talk with you. And we invite you to come to Jesus. We're all sinners. Our only hope is Jesus. Stand. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at daythreechurch.com.